Welcome to the Ethos Podcast, where we chat about Web3 and how it applies to consumer brands. My name is Matias Marquez, and I'm the CEO of Ethos, a company that is on a mission to accelerate the world's mass adoption of digital assets by humanizing, simplifying, and facilitating rich experiences for brands and their customers. In this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Max Comparetto, who's the co-founder of Salesforce's Web3 Studio. During our chat, we discuss topics such as the mass adoption of digital assets, how brands can use Web3 technologies, and more. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Max, how are you doing? Good, man. Good to be here. Excited to have you on. So Max Comparetto, uh, the head of the Web3 studio at Salesforce. Um, yeah, we're really excited to chat with you and um, love the backdrop there in New York. And maybe we can start just by having you introduce yourself and telling us just a little bit of, of, uh, of your background and how you got into Web3 and um, yeah, all the, all, maybe the, the, even if you could add in, uh, I'd listened to your podcast with Jamie. And you mentioned about your grandparents and the tin cans and, and the cash. So if you could include that, that'd be awesome. But yeah, over to you. Our audience would love to know a bit more about Max. Cool. Yeah. And yeah, this background is like an ode to New York. It's like got water towers and brick buildings that are like too close. Uh, so everything about it is super New York. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. Um, five years uh, at Salesforce. Um but a few years prior in IT professional services. So um, I graduated in uh, 15, uh, moved to Atlanta, lived there for uh, like seven or eight years, and then uh, moved to New York two years ago. And I was uh, with Salesforce for three of the years I was in Atlanta. Um, And then uh, now, uh, what I basically do for Salesforce is, is I run uh, go to market through a branded group called the Salesforce Web3 Studio, um, along with my boss, uh, Mark Matu. So we are like an extension of the product group that uh, helped, uh, I guess, fan the fire, if you will, of the product as it was uh, emerging into nearing ready for general availability and like launch to customers. Um, so the origin story of Max, like before Salesforce, I, uh, I grew up in South Florida. Uh, as you mentioned, my grandparents are crazy or were crazy. Um, basically, uh, we're super Italian and they put money all over the house because they didn't really trust banks. Uh, so they like stashed and stowed money in couches and furniture in the walls and ceilings and closets um, in uh, plastic and paper bags in coffee cans buried in the yard. Um, it was it was a weird uh, thing, uh, but that was uh, that was like an activity was like going around their house and finding money. Um, so uh, it was kind of with that uh, background that I eventually found uh, out about self-custody and decentralized finance and had like a, I don't know, it resonated with me very clearly um, and like very deeply. Uh, So I got into lending um, and like just appreciated self-custody in general as a, as a concept. Uh, So I started investing in crypto, uh, pulled my money off of uh, Coinbase um, and Binance. um, Like, actually uh, understood and uh, participated in yield farming, uh, which took me a little while, but 
uh, super interesting concepts overall. And that was kind of my entrance into Web3, you could say, like kind of investor, DeFi participant, like lender, uh, yield farmer. And then eventually, like, I think everyone got locked up during COVID. And uh, like a lot of people, I like bought an NFT and was like, what, what did I just do? Uh, like with my ETH that I've like worked incredibly hard farming, <laughs> uh, uh, to, to make, um, and I went down the rabbit hole of, uh, understanding, uh, NFTs as like an engagement mechanism and a brand building capability or like lever. Um, and I, I found and community of course, but like brand and community are, are often like kind of synonymous in this space. Um, but anyways, I found that so fascinating, um, in parallel to that fascination, I got to start working on some stuff at Salesforce from a product development perspective that placed me in a small group of people who were developing our initial web three offering, which is, um, like a NFT creation and management kind of platform. Super, super cool. And I'm just thinking of like, you know, had someone told you when you were at the beginning there, um, that you were going to be running the web three studio for Salesforce, you probably like, there's no way you would have believed it, but how cool of a story is that? Right? No, no, no. Uh, even at Salesforce, like at the beginning, I definitely like tried to leave Salesforce multiple times. <laughs> Um, I, I actually quit one time and packed a box Wow! and, and walked out, uh, so how did it, it, it was in my trunk. This was like a Friday and over the weekend, my manager texted me and was like, yo, you're like, not really quitting, right? Like I'll see you on Monday. Um, but like, we'll talk about all this stuff, uh, that we need to address. And I was just like, yeah, all right, cool. So I came in on Monday, <laughs> like didn't quit. I mean, it tells you a little bit of the culture, right? I mean, obviously, if you can if you can quit, pack your bags, put it in the car, and then kind of still come back on Monday, it, it uh, is the ultimate. Yeah, I'm packing my bags moment. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anything that you would kind of like reflect on that? Because I, I know a lot of people that listen are um, like they're in other jobs and they're like you know starting to really love this technology. And I just think that's a very unique perspective to be somebody who kind of started going through the, the education process of understanding and learning and loving it to then like literally running the, you know, the studio within one of the biggest companies in the world. So um, yeah, is it, is it kind of like the, the thing I'm making it out to be or is it, or is it something else? Um, what, like the studio or, or, or just like, like the, the feeling of like, you know, uh, falling in love with the technology and then heading it up for Salesforce. Yeah, no, no, no. There's definitely, there was definitely like a, a oh wow moment, um, or, or I guess there are regular like oh wow moments um, that have happened um, because even like um, during the first year of the product being developed, like if you consider it, you could definitely say two years now um, have gone by that we've been building product like this product in particular that, that I've been involved. Um, and we really, when I got involved only had like an idea that ended up changing. So like pretty much it was from the beginning. Um, I, I basically did that for the first year I worked on developing that product concept with this group of people. 
but I had another job at Salesforce, like selling CRM licenses to small businesses. So like I would go from calls with like a 10 person startup talking about how do you manage your relationships uh, for your B2B selling part of your business. And then I would like hang up and I would get on a call uh, with like product leaders and start working on like concept decks for our pitches that were coming up for like internal funding. Um, So it was, it was a weird kind of dual responsibility. Um, And it does feel weird all the time traveling because in my other job that, you know, small business sales role, no travel, um, highly transactional, not relationship-based sales. Um, so it was like a complete 180, uh, moving to enterprise, building a product with like a platform strategy, an ecosystem that needs to be developed, all this stuff. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty wild. Super cool. So it is possible to move, you know, I want to say laterally or, or, or what between an organization, but it is possible to kind of have like a transformational change within a big company. So that's super, super cool. And I love hearing it. I love hearing people that love their jobs and are like working in things they have passion for. And, you know, we love what we do here. And uh, I just, you know, I wish that on everybody, right? So um, yeah, yeah, awesome. And um, just to kind of dig in a little bit. So you guys, you know, you're always talking to consumer brands and, and so are we. And um, that's who this podcast is for and, and this, you know, these films are for. What would you say to somebody who would ask the question like, hey, why should a brand care about Web3? Like, like what, what can it do for me? Um, what, what's the connection? Yeah. So, I, I mean, for me, I think you should care about what your customers care about. Um, ultimately, like it's kind of like uh, Wayne Gretzky, you know, skate where the puck is going. You should go where your customers are going. Historically, technology platform providers like Salesforce have like reacted to brands coming to them and saying, our customers are moving into this channel. We need to like, we need to be ready to move with them into this channel. And so like technology platform providers like enabled them uh, to go into these channels or to like integrate into or backwards from these channels. And um, so like, it's the same now. Uh, for us, like we see consumers adopting wallet technology and interacting with um, applications that are wallet connected or authenticated apps, whether or not like the user is fully aware of that. Maybe they just use an email to sign in with, with like a magic wallet or a CrossMet wallet in the background. Um, who knows? Like. I think it'll just get simpler and simpler to sign into things. And I think wallets will be a part of that simplification process for UX. And I think that we need to be prepared to help those brands be prepared for that scenario. Um, And that's, that's why I think it's important that brands focus on web three because their consumers are focused on it. They're spending time interacting with the technology and it's producing data. Uh, and I know that we'll get into it later that you mentioned it earlier, uh, but the data piece is super important. Like when consumers interact with technology and brand IP, you want to know how they're interacting and, and uh, you know, yield what you can from that interaction. Right. So I, it's all for us an extension of the existing customer engagement strategy. You could can call it a new channel. You can call it something else, but that's kind of how we treat it. 
Yeah, no, I, I love it and I, I couldn't agree more. So on the data side, what kind of data, like be, customer behavior is changing. I think a lot of people would get behind that. And um, you definitely want to go towards the puck is, is going. And thank you for that Canadian and hockey reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, My but what kind of, so what kind of data gets created when consumer behavior changes in this direction? And, and what data does Web3 provide that Web2 doesn't? Um, yeah, do you have examples? Like, are there examples that come to mind? Yeah, well, I mean, like the the number one thing, I think, the paradigm that you have to understand, I feel like, uh, for starters, is to think that there is this like global ledger, <laughs> a global registry of like ownership. Um, it says this token is like controlled or operated by this wallet address. Like that's out there. You can look up at any given time that a token belongs to a wallet. Um, and if someone interacts with um, that token or a smart contract, that can produce a event on the blockchain. And you might understand or infer or be able to infer something from that interaction between that consumer um, and their wallet address, which in many way could be, uh, ways could be like the email address in some ways uh, for the future, if that's not ENS domain or whatever. Um, and we just feel like uh, it could be a part of your analysis and your customer engagement profile uh, development strategy um, so that you understand how to engage with these people. There's other data that's unique, like financial data of sorts, uh, due to the fact that these tokens have value. You can develop uh, financial profiles on individuals uh, to start classifying or categorizing users or consumers' wallet addresses uh, in certain ways. Uh, you could also observe behavior uh, more holistically uh, when it's on-chain because um, it's one, it could be across brand uh, and in, in general that kind of opens up an analysis that's more complete on a user profile data set. Um, but we just feel like it uh, it allows you to classify consumer behavior and interests as well as uh, financial profile data um, in ways that you just can't naturally get uh, from siloed systems in Web2. Totally. And, um, you know, we talk to brands every day, right? And um, something that I've realized is that and it's useful to actually say is that it's like there's a misconception out there. There's a misconception that... Um, it's like a replacement, right? Where using that global ledger and using blockchain technology can be, it does not need to be a replacement. You can keep your existing systems in place, the existing data that you love. But um, I think what you're saying, Max, is there's all this new data that comes and, and, and can help build a better, full, a fuller fo like picture of the relationship, right? Um, yeah, and I think it's really important actually, because you, know, you have this global ledger and there are some things that you could put on there and, infer from it and learn from and it can give you a better picture of your customers. That doesn't mean you have to put everything on that global ledger, right? C correct. Yeah. Like, and it, I actually used to get really frustrated uh, when I would talk to customers early on and they would be saying things like, oh, well, we're not like going to do anything in Web3. Uh, we just don't want to replace our entire tech stack or anything like that. <laughs> and you're like, what? That's uh, what I mean. Yeah. You know, you don't, that's, yeah, that's just 
not the way, Mike, my friend. Um, <laughs> so, no, it um, it's fr- it's frustrating. I, I think that we have to, to your point, an emphasis on education or enablement. Uh, Got to work on that for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think once you kind of peel the onion back, you realize, wow, there's this extra data that becomes available to me, and it gives me a better connection to the customer. It makes me learn, like it gives me a, it's just a better picture, right? Um, and maybe that's a good kind of like segue to my next question because um, when I think of Salesforce, you know, I think enterprise, I think CRM, I think like you know, there's um, I don't want to say Salesforce is synonymous for anything, but there are things I think you're synonymous with, and uh, and one of them is like CRM and just managing customer data. So how do you see like blockchain data um, kind of getting organized and, 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 and managed effectively in, in, the, in the hands of a, you know, a brand that would have a, a ton of different data systems? Yeah, so um, one, our ticker symbol is CRM. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we definitely rightfully claim that one. Um, uh, no, 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 but great question. Um, we Salesforce historically was like a B2B tool, right? We, um, we designed a platform, a transactional database, Oracle database that we partitioned and distributed to customers through the cloud. Right. Uh, and, um, that made, um, B2B scale possible, um, for people doing basic functions. Um, like contact data management, essentially. Uh, but as we like acquired more companies and took on more of a position where we could approach B two C platform use cases, uh, we had to like expand um, everything. Uh, so MuleSoft was like an early acquisition that Salesforce looked at as like critical to its future uh, because it knew that it would have to integrate into a million different data sources um, for businesses in every industry and every vertical and sub-vertical and every region and geo and um, everything, following every different guideline and policy and compliance and regulatory framework, et cetera. Um, so um, we developed uh, infrastructure um, that's basically split um, uh, GCP, AWS, Azure infrastructure to run our own apps. And we've turned around and created like an instance of this multi-tenant architecture that we make available to customers. And um, they run their Salesforce instances on this. It's called Hyperforce. Um, and we tap into that among with a million other, uh, you know, sources uh, to pull data together. And now we have a data ingestion capability with this Web3 uh, product to couple that data set that you can pull from a publicly accessible uh, blockchain network uh, with everything else that we pull together with MuleSoft and the rest of our data sources. And then now the cool and interesting stuff, not that Web3 is not cool and we're talking about Web3 here too, but since AI is the talk of town, the cool stuff too is is the application of some sort of gateway where we could uh, have like an AI technology applied to a contained data set that looks at Salesforce and integrated data sources and allows someone to interact with all of that data in a super uh, interesting way. Hmm. Totally. I, I love hearing that and it makes a lot of sense to me. 
um, I just, I see it as like different data sets coming from different places, right? And, you know, to think that Web3 is going to replace all of your data, I think that's, 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 that's a bad way to think of it. To think of it more like, hey, there's new data that's coming, that's getting unlocked through Web3. And it sounds like um, Salesforce and, and obviously the CRM um, can take in that data as one data set uh, to paint or paint like, 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 like the whole and, and kind of bigger picture. And it's really cool to hear actually that um, another data set or, you know, certain data sets are going to get kind of looked at through an AI lens too. And I think, um, I think it just underscores the point, right? Like, you know, companies are not subject to one set of data or companies are subject to a ton, ton of different sets of data. And, and I would say that, you know, the web three piece of that is going to continue to grow and um, it's going to help, it's going to help uncover really great insights um, that builds a better connection between brands and customers. And that's why we get really excited about this whole kind of like this whole arena. Um, is that, is that a fair kind of take? I can't argue with you. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I don't know. Obviously it's a, it's a clear pitch. I mean, I give it, I give it regularly. I think it's important for brands to have a NFT uh, strategy because I see it as just an extension or a part of an existing customer engagement strategy. Um, and that can be framed as loyalty or it can be framed as customer engagement generally. Um, but nonetheless, like involving this technology makes things provable, uh, more secure, um, and kind of more freely, uh, gamified and transferable. So I think it, it introduces super, uh, awesome elements to the customer experience. Super, super cool. Hey, um, maybe this leads us to another kind of good place. Um, you know, when we're talking to a, an executive at, at, at a brand, you know, when they get there and they go, hey, this is like really great, you know, a creative technology that can help me uncover more insights about my customers. Like I'm in, um, they'll often run into like, a, 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 I want to call it like a bit of a stumbling block where they go, hey, is this stuff sustainable? Because I've heard Bitcoin isn't and um, where, where like they start wearing their sustainability hat, which they absolutely should. Um, and, and we've put our articles on this and we've had lots of discussions on this, but I'd love to get your kind of uh, perspective on, is that what you're hearing in the market? And, and, and do you guys tilt in a certain direction when it comes to a blockchain? Um, just because it is, a, I think, a really important piece to this whole thing. Yeah, so it definitely uh, was hot topic um, about a year and a half ago. Um, Pre-Ethereum upgrade, pre-merge uh, conversation, all of that, uh, because we had planned to support use of Ethereum through our platform uh, for all of our customers and in internal employees and some external Salesforce community, community members raised concerns over environmental impact of Salesforce enabling that type of function or capability. Um, and um, we essentially agreed to delay and uh, kind of forego uh, enabling use of Ethereum until the upgrade went through. Um, so that was something that we, even we were live in pilot phase actually, recommending customers use Polygon, which was another one of the available options at the time and still is uh, on our platform. Um, so we were guiding brands that way. Um, and eventually when the merge happened, uh, the environmental concerns haven't completely like subsided or gone away, but they're definitely fewer and far, be farther between. Um, 
that they come up. Um, and on Polygon, the environmental impact is post-merge so, so small. We, we were hoping to, at some point soon, um, look at trying to do like an estimate uh, or a readout on potential like carbon impact of a certain action or set of actions that you take uh, while using the app, kind of just like in a UI element. Um, and so you could then take action on that and potentially offset it because Salesforce launched a carbon removal marketplace um, that is now live actually. Um, so anyways, with that, you could technically just automate that process. Um, we think that's an interesting thing. Uh, we want to try to approach that in the roadmap uh, as soon as we possibly can. Um, and in the meantime, we're going to continue to explore relationships and partnerships with only green blockchains, those that are often in conversations around regenerative finance and that type of stuff, uh, like Cello blockchain, as an example. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, it's, you know, I, I think pre-merge, it was it, on Ethereum, it, it was still a thing, right? Like when you look at Bitcoin, it's very much a, 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 like there's a serious trade-off um, to the environment, which is not, you, know, you never want to be in a position where you're making a big trade-off to the environment. Uh, but post-merge, it really has uh, made the impact on the environmental side so small that um, really is just education, right? Like I was talking to um, Mickey at, or, you know, a senior executive at Flow and also folks at Polygon. And like when they are explaining to us and we're doing like, you know, analysis on how many transactions you know, translate to a Google search or how many transactions on a blockchain translates like a YouTube video, um, it, it, it becomes very obvious that this is no longer a problem. Um, so it really just is the education piece. And I'm, I'm really happy that the merge happened. I'm really happy that there are these green blockchains. And when it comes to us and, and talking to consumer brands, it's just education. It's just like, hey, here's the facts. And there's enough studies now. And there's enough information. Um, interesting. To, like, and I love hearing that you guys have such a focus on it too, because it sounds like you wouldn't even like onboard Ethereum until the 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 the, the merge happened. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was super important to our employees, um, and they gave us like a, a huge list of things to think about and focus on uh, that were later implemented into the product roadmap. Um, so it was like a actually very valuable like challenge. Uh, from the employee community um, that like helped us reset and kind of officially launch in March on solid ground. Yeah. it's awesome. And, you know, um, I think the blockchain have been great partners that way and they've been focused in that direction. Um, and, and maybe that kind of heads us to another kind of good area. I, I think Web3 is um, in many ways similar to Web2, but in many ways different. And I think one of the ways that it, it's going to be different is I think it's going to be more of a collaborative ecosystem. Um, and I think partners play a big role. Um, I know, you know, we're, we, we really like the folks at Boehner and the team there is really awesome and, and we, we absolutely love them. And I know you have a great relationship with them too, uh, but they're just an, one example and, and so are the blockchains. Um, what would you say in terms of like partners and how partners fit in and the importance of a, of a healthy partnership ecosystem um, for Web3 to be successful? Yeah, well, I mean, um, it's funny. Uh, Everyone always talks so uh, divisively, like Web 2 and Web 3. and They kind of like distinguish so much uh, between it. Um, 
really like if if web3 like became wiser they would borrow from web2 what's made it effective uh like organizing um and uh actually like conducting business process uh that's like very well defined uh beyond the uh, process inside of a smart contract um and and web2 can borrow from web3 um and certainly learn quite a few uh things from that whole uh interaction but um so vayner like did when different partners they like come into your life and out of your life kind of like people um when you meet them it's kind of like super significant to the relationship that you maintain with them over time so when we met um polygon we were in the early stages of um developing our blockchain strategy obviously and uh we were looking for um information around a lot of stuff like back then we had even looked into like a colored coins uh system where we would enable pe people to create like branded loyalty tokens more more accurately um speaking um but um anyways um they helped us like not just evaluate but they also like gave us a grant polygon uh issued us a grant to fund some of the development of our product um, and that actually went directly to consensus uh, who we had a really close partnership with who was helping us develop templates uh, for the smart contracts that would ultimately be what powered the web3 element of our product um, and so those partnerships like they happened at the cert the certain time where uh, polygon could make kind of like more of a strategic investment become super close vayner we met later um, and more so during our go-to-market phase. And so when we look at Vayner, they're very much so a go-to-market oriented partner for us. Historically speaking, like the importance of the ecosystem for Salesforce is like pretty obvious. It was the scale method that distributed Salesforce to a massive uh, ecosystem of companies and network of companies, markets, um, and like makes those customers successful uh, implementing the product. And so we're still leaning on them for delivering success to customers that are using this new product for sure. That's they're a massive part of our strategy. Go to market. I, I love hearing that the you know because sales for a big company. I love hearing that um, partnerships are an important piece to your overall kind of strategy um, because I, I do think um, be, for the road between here and customers getting a lot of joy and benefits from new from this new technology um, is one built with more than you know with with companies working together right so um love 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 hearing that um yeah i, I guess maybe my, my next question would be around kind of just like learnings um I, I you know we've done a bunch of activations and i know salesforce has done activations um curious to like what you've learned because we've learned a ton along the way um, and, and I'm assuming that there's been a lot of learnings on your end as well. I'd love to know just, you know, for the audience, what types of learnings and, and, and what has kind of like changed your views? Have your views changed at all um, after, you know, post doing some activations? Yeah, so timing is everything. Uh, one, first and foremost, what worked uh, two years ago for Adidas or a year and a half ago for Adidas or however long ago uh, will not work right now uh exactly as it is uh, if it were run identically 
Um, so that's one thing. Um, on that note, I guess like relevant to timing, at different points in time, uh, early on, you could target uh, these small like niche crypto communities um, and execute something really successful in terms of revenue and engagement um, with like quite a, uh, I guess like fundamental, like fundamentally ele elementary like strategy, right? Um, you could um, not enable mass adoption uh, or like mass market features uh, such as like fiat payments uh, or email-based wallet access or these types of things. Um, and that was okay. Now that's like a must. You almost abstract every bit of complexity derived from blockchain uh, technology such as wallets uh, from the equation altogether. And we remove often any language that even uh, like references directly the underlying technology because it's so much more important uh, to communicate the reason why something uh, being on chain matters, uh, kind of like that little isolated value proposition than it is to say that it's on chain. Thank you for sharing that. And you're teaming up so well for my, my next question here too, because like <laughs> our company's mission is literally like, literally like you go to the website, our company's mission is to accelerate the mass adoption of digital yeah. assets and it's like, you know, NFTs through, you know, great experiences for customers and for brands and their customers. Um, so we think mass adoption is like so important. I mean, we've been saying this for a long time because I just think that, you know, the community gets better the more people are in it and it can't just be, you know, people who are just well-versed in crypto wallets and that type of thing. Um, so I love hearing that one, you know, one of your, your big learnings has been, hey, you know, it's changed and the technology needs to get simpler and mass adoption is an, an important thing. Um, yeah, really, it's really that, just like music. Yeah. It's definitely that. Somebody and I were talking about like a list of things that needed to happen the other day. And obviously like security came up and like, ease of use and isn't even even like ux as it pertains to interacting with security components in a wallet um has to improve so significantly um i don't know have you ever heard of like pocket universe have you seen it no uh, or like a similar tool where it'll simulate a transaction uh before you agree and sign the transaction um so that you can see what moves in and out of your wallet it's um, very helpful. Yeah, insanely helpful. Uh, yeah. That's the type of thing that should exist, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like if yeah. you want, if you want mass adoption, uh, brands yeah, yeah. they need to be able to protect their IP in Web three. Otherwise, no one will take it seriously. And we also need to like tie legal rights and off chain uh, legal constructs to on chain uh, token registries, and um, you know drive real adherence uh, and accountability through this. Uh, and then I think, you know, <laughs> when it gets, when it starts getting used for things that are just so obvious, uh, maybe we'll be there. It'll, it'll take yeah. a while. <laughs> Could not agree more. Music, music to our ears. And um, if you had to like pinpoint, and just as a final question, if you had to pinpoint like one or two kind of, you know, things or, um, you know, specific things, or even just like a direction 
that, um, you know, things need to go and in, in to get to mass adoption? What, what would you kind of like hone in on? I've always said uh, if I wasn't working at Salesforce, I would go work in one of two uh, types of Web3 companies. Uh, one is an identity company, someone focused on identity, ZK tech or something like that, uh, or wallets. And I feel like uh, one of them will make... Uh, just like lower the barrier to entry uh, and enable something that's really truly necessary to go on chain and be managed easily by someone through a great interface. Um, and hopefully that's like, that's where I think it's coming from. Love it. Love it. It's got to get easier for the consumer. Right. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, where this goes and there's great companies out there building in, in the right direction here. So um, time will pass and these features and these products will come out and it will get easier. Um, and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to see. Um, Max, thank you so much for joining us. It's been like so much fun um, having you on and yeah, just, just thank you for, for coming on. No, dude, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to be here.